coming up, we've got a huge podcast for you. It's our last A-League Men podcast of the 2022-2023 season, heading into the big grand final, doing a little bit of a review of the season as well. And just a heads up about the audio quality uh, in this podcast as well. It's still all right, um, but we had some issues just getting the microphones connected. So if it does sound a little bit different to previous episodes, just a heads up as well. But Without further ado, I don't want to keep anyone waiting any longer because we've got a massive episode to get through and I'm very excited about it. I'm your host, Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. And tonight, it's a very special edition of the pod because I'm joined in person here in Adelaide, in South Australia, by Antonis Pagonis, of course, because he's also in South Australia with me. And Matt Olson has come all the way from WA with us. And uh, we are doing our massive grand final preview, bit of a season review. First of all, I have to ask Matt. He's sitting right next to me as I record this podcast. How are you going? How has your trip been so far to to our great, great state of South Australia? Adelaide Airport is uh, is a pretty nifty location, so I'll, I'll start with that. Um, but also, I am so prepared for the Danny Townsend Freak Show. Uh, I am so raring to go, and uh, it's just a pleasure to be here with, with you all. Oh, boy. The Danny Townsend Freak Show. I'm pretty sure his name, that's not the first time that it's gonna, that's gonna pop up and, at some point. Antonis, uh, yeah. how are you? Oh, I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Good to be back at the headquarters of Front Page Football. <laughs> but before, <laughs> before we start, yeah, welcome Matt to South Australia. And also I want to thank Tourism SA for bringing this together. Like Destination New South Wales, you know, we've got our backers as well. It's great to have Matt over here. Thank you to Peter Molinaskas for putting this together. Really appreciate it. Let's get into the football. Oh, boy. And of course, and of course uh, the break will be sponsored by Powerade, of course. Yeah, well, I was about to mention that. We've, we've got our Powerades at the ready um, to get us through the pod, and we are unofficially sponsored by Powerade. So yes. um, there's some free advertising for them. Um, okay, so let's start off. Um, initial thoughts, I guess, about this, about this grand final, um, because... We're going to get, we are going to have a discussion if you're interested in our thoughts on the whole decision and, and everything about it heading into this game, the festival of football or things that have been announced in the last few days. We are going to get into it. Um, but we do want to talk first and foremost about the game. Um, Matt, I'll throw to you. Initial thoughts. You've got essentially what we kind of got here is this narrative brewing of the rich, conglomerate Melbourne City against the, uh, punching above our weight boys from the Central Coast, and it's setting up for a really interesting encounter, I think. So, I mean, a lot of people like to talk about sort of off the pitch it being a bit of a David versus Goliath story, which is the case in in many ways, but it's not actually like that. I think, you know, we were talking off air a lot about the Mariners and their prospects, and I actually think it could be a very tantalising grand final, especially when you look on years prior to how the grand final was shaping up previously. I think this one really does have a lot of promise um, with, with the way both teams shape up going into it. Yeah, it's the two best sides going at it. And like we were saying off air, the two sides are playing exceptionally good football. We saw how the Mariners put Adelaide to the sword. 
And Melbourne City had a bit of struggle in that first leg against Sydney FC. But that second leg, you just saw what Melbourne City is capable of. So it's genuinely the two best sides of the competition going at it. And I reckon the league's going to be better for it. And we talk about the grand final, what a shame it is, what's happened in the reaction. But the 90 to 120 minutes of football that will be played should be spectacular. And I'm looking forward to it. And also for, for another final at Parramatta Stadium, hopefully no Nazi salutes will be involved. But one thing that will happen is... We have to bring another Australian football controversy yeah. from the season let me, into the pod. Let me pod. bring another thing in there. It'll be, it means there will be one more tie to one of Parramatta that won't go to the Wanderers. <laughs> oh. Oops. Oh, no. Oh, no. Antonis, haven't you had enough Wanderers fans come at you already this season at some point? Not really, but this is just a fact, isn't okay. it? Okay. All right. Because oh, there was... There I'm was a teacher. Some... It's fact and opinion. This is fact. <laughs> Last one was opinion. This is fact. Argue. Argue with me. It's there was fact. A whole, wasn't it? It's bad, but it's real. It's fact. <laughs> it's fact. <laughs> fact. <laughs> wasn't that the whole... Um, that was the favelas comment, the incident. That's when you got, that's when you got uh, bombarded, right? Yeah, well, lucky bars from Wyala, like we were saying. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, this is so out of context, dinner talk. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Um, yeah, this is going into random areas. But um, this this game, uh, Antonio's made a really good point, I think, because we've got, we do have the two best teams from the season actually going at it in, in the game, which I think is always, it's always a good thing, right? Um, because we always sometimes say with the final series, you know, had Sydney won, in the second leg against Melbourne City, who knows? Maybe we, we spoke about this last our, in our last A League pod um, about maybe Max Burgess doesn't get sent off, whatever, and they get a result. I mean, obviously, it would have been that uproar about Sydney playing, of course, in in the grand final on on supposed you know neutral territory. Mm. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, like, they didn't they didn't deserve to get in there, right? Um, Adelaide showed that they didn't deserve to get in there. The Wanderers showed by by bottling a, a derby at home that they didn't deserve to get in there. Right. These two have. Um, and I think that's really important, right? And, well, I, I think also when, when we look at, uh, you know, the grand finals uh, for a prior reference, right? I think Western United, for, for the story that they had last season, they didn't, it didn't feel like the grand final was there and made for them. Um, and, uh, you know, it made it a bit of a fairy tale that they won it, but it just didn't have that feel for the exact reason that you're mentioning, right? So if we, if we look back, I'd say prior to maybe 2020 when it was Sydney FC at the peak of their powers, Melbourne City coming into their own, I'd say this is the best grand final since the 2020 grand final, which, which was also at Paramount Stadium, funnily enough. Unfortunately, obviously because of COVID, it was only in front of 7,000 people, but I'm hoping for that scale of grand final where it's really cagey and really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm blanking. Who played in that grand final again? That was so. So that was Ryan Grant's like. Oh, absolutely, of course, of course. And Tony, you were going to say something? Yeah, uh, I was going to say that again. We talk about this grand final. It is, as we mentioned, the two best sides mm. that are getting in it, and just them two going up against each other. There's just so many exciting battles across the pitch. Like Matt said last year, it felt like Western United's kind of got it together in the last game against Victory. This one. I don't know about you, but even when the semi-final matches mm. were drawn, I was very confident the Mariners were going through, and I was very confident Melbourne City were going through. Mm. And they both did it with quite a lot of ease in the end. In so the end, yeah. it's two teams that, as I said, fully deserve to be in there, and I reckon they're going to give us a very good football match. And again, it's not there's a storyline outside of it with the whole David and Goliath business. And it might be like that off the pitch, but on the pitch, these are two very evenly matched sides. Let's address that because we're having a little bit of discussion before um, off air. Now, 
the Mariners and and we've we've been covering them a lot in in previous weeks because I mean how can you not they're on a great tear. Does anyone think Melbourne City? Either of you think that Melbourne City are kind of getting a little bit dismissed in this in this whole kind of Mariners fairy tale, or is it just a matter of that? How can you how can you not you know ignore the Mariners? Yeah, this is what I mentioned off air. I don't think it's City being dismissed. I think it's a bit of City fatigue, which is what you see in the Premier League as well, that they are by far the best team and you respect them, but because you respect them, you don't need to talk about them every week. Mm. Meanwhile, the Mariners are such a like Australian story. You know, you bottom out, you hit rock bottom, and then you organically grow to challenge this. And it's just a no-brainer for the neutral to get behind it. And it's only natural that this will be the story because it's been a decade since they made the grand final. And when they made the last grand final, Graham Arnold as a coach and some fantastic players, this side has been made up of the off scraps of the league, basically, plus the Central Coast youth system. So, of course, it's going to get attention. But again, it's you can't dismiss Melbourne City because how brilliant they are. Just because they don't get talked about, it doesn't mean they're not brilliant. And it, it comes, it comes with the territory of being a champion side. It comes with the territory of being a dominant side. You're always going to be hated. You know, people aren't going to want to put that shine on you as mm. much just because that, that's who you are, right? So I think, for, you know, and the three of us will, will say maybe we've, we've bought into the Mariners hype a lot, but I think that, that, that there's a reason for that. People are starting to believe that this team can actually be a champion team. And that's a really, really important point of difference. And one more thing I want to bring up is when you are Melbourne City, you don't get judged as your average A-League team. You get judged by the resources you have and how you perform. The Central Coast Mariners, let's face it, they're not supposed to be here, you know? Mm. Coming into the season, the so-called experts had them outside the finals and now they are in the final game. Meanwhile, Melbourne City with all the resources, I'm sorry, but you're expected to be there and that's what you're going to be judged on. And meeting expectations is a lot more normal than completely outplaying your expectations, which is what the Mariners have done by, depending who you ask, about 10 places or so. Where, where did you two have the Mariners heading into the season? Did you? I had them at the edge of the finals. I didn't, I can't remember if I had them in or out, but I had them right at the edge. I had them between the sixth and seventh spot, depending on how they went. But again, even for me, they completely outperformed my expectations as well. I was, I was similar. I was uh, fifth, fifth, about fifth or sixth for the Mariners in that, that, yeah. Basically, a similar sort of analysis. Also, I think a lot of question marks in their squad ended up being answered. And that's a really, really important thing pre-season to, to have those questions answered and to have them answered in the right way. And that's where, um, you know, we can be really proud of where the Mariners are at. And one thing about both these sides, it feels like every signing has hit. With uh, yeah. Melbourne City, you see mm. a Berisha, a Van der Ven, you know, fantastic signings. Yeah. The Mariners, they may not be as heralded in players like, for example, a Brian Kaltag, mm. but they've just come in, and like Nectar Triantis, they've come in and they've shown themselves to be some of the best players in the league. And that's so important. And sorry to bring Europe in here, but you <laughs> see someone like Napoli who lost many players going into the season mm. and many of the fans had them sliding out of Europe. The signings hit and they won their third ever Scudetto. So if your signings hit, you know, it works out for you. And that's what we're seeing right now. And, and also, I know, I know as a matter of fact that uh, Nick Montgomery cared a lot about the management of that team and, and, and the movement of that team as well, particularly with someone like Nectar. I've actually got a story from when uh, I chatted to, uh, to Nick at, at Macedonia Park and I was sat with um, Justin Chadwick from the Australian Associated Press. 
And uh, a mate of mine messaged me just before, um, questioning as to why Triantas had come off earlier, given that Caltech was the one that was sort of underperforming at the early stages of the game. Um, and it basically, it ended up with, you can, you can go on bloody Paramount Plus Channel 10, you know, keep up. You can, you can watch the footage of this. I just simply say, Nectar Triantis, you know, what, what's the story there? And Montgomery just goes on a massive rant about the under 20 station cup and the, and the disruption that happened to his squad. And, and he was just I really, he, was, yeah, he yeah, was really, yeah. really passionate about sort of making sure that nothing happens in Nectar while he was away because he just really cared about the, what was going on, you know, on, on the, on the inside. And, and, you know, Justin's, Justin's hitting me on the shoulder afterwards and just being like, he really wanted to tee that off. Well, <laughs> no, well, it's it's interesting because I, I like the point Antonis made because both both teams deserve praise for the the roster constructions for the football that they're playing um, for also youth that they've developed. Let's not forget Melbourne City have actually developed young players too. I think and, I think that gets lost in absolutely. the whole thing, right? And yeah. I just want to mention that that they're actually one of the best yeah. in the country of doing yeah. so. And even not just their own, someone like Marco Tilio, seeing how underappreciated he was mm. at Sydney, given the chance, yeah. he's starring for them now. You know, it makes a big difference when someone sees value in these players and backs them. And that's what we're seeing from these two sides. Dolan Dolan Warren Awards tonight, Geordie Boss has won the young player of the season award. I mean that that speaks enough to where Melbourne City are at, speaks enough to the fact that that their talent and their story is just as significant as that of the Mariners in Adelaide. Obviously, we romanticise what goes on with the Mariners in Adelaide for our own specific reasons, I think. But in with, with City, well... And just to bring this in, <laughs> congratulations, Craig Goodwin, on winning your rightfully, <laughs> rightfully deserved award that you should have won last year. But. Toasting my red Powerade to Craig Goodwin right now. <laughs> We're recording this uh, basically immediately after the... Uh, the, uh, the um, Dolan oh Warren God. Awards. The Dolan Warren Awards. My yes. goodness. In that, South Australia. I was going to call it the Johnny Warren Awards, so thank God. Uh, I, I didn't say anything. Um, yeah, so shout out to Craig Goodwin for <laughs> getting over the hump, basically. Um, so, yeah. So, all, all very good points, guys. I think, uh, I think you know, we, we, we've laid out kind of the situations of both these clubs going into this quite well. Um, and we're going to get in the tactical side afterwards, but Antonis mentioned it briefly. Like, I don't... I'm, again, we're going to talk about it soon, but I just can't really see a situation where this kind of isn't an entertaining game in a sense with how both teams play. But um, what I did want to get into is it has been has been an interesting kind of week leading into it, um, and not has it? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and not so much, not so much. Obviously, that the festival football stuff, which we're going to talk talk about uh, soon, but more actually between. Um, the Mariners and City, and there's been like a little bit of mind game sort of stuff going on. Um, and I want to, I want to start off with this Nick Montgomery, Scott Jamison thing. So Scott Jamison comes out, announced his retirement, um, from the game this week. And <laughs> Monty, Monty just kind of randomly comes out and puts it back on that. I, I actually thought it was kind of genius, but he kind of puts it back on them and he goes, um, you know, okay, like what's, what's his problem? Why does he have to announce it this week instead of maybe just, you know, saying, Hey, well done to Scott Chamberlain on a great A-League career. Um, so Antonis, I know you want to add something on this, but just a weird kind of series of mind games it's, straight from the off. You're a coach. Imagine being a coach has done so much work to get this side where they're at. 
right now, it's your big moment. Someone asks you, oh, how about Scott Jamison retiring? Yeah, yeah. My take would also be, I'm sorry, with all due respect, I'm not interested in Scott Jamison this week. Amazing career. And everyone's going to have time to reflect on that after whatever the game finishes on Saturday. But yeah, like, it's not the time for the Central Coast Mariners coach to be praising Scott Jamison, in my opinion, but each to their own. I didn't understand really the hate he was getting, and it was slightly taken out of context, in my opinion, as well. But each to their own. Yeah, look, the question is dumb to ask Nick Montgomery, but, but, listen, right, right. I'm, I'm actually going to defend Jammer here, right, because... Like, what, what is Nick talking about? Of course you announce your retirement before the game so that you can have a big <laughs> game and then that's how the announcement works. You don't make it afterwards. Don't make the announcement afterwards. <laughs> uh, wow. Wow. That was nice, nice mini rant from, uh, from Matt Olson there. Um, <laughs> basically, the other thing with Monty though that we should, that we should know. Is he's got this kind of, uh, I think it actually is something that he does though to kind of suit his team and get him geared off for games. Is he's very defiant with, with the media, I've noticed. Um, and kind of any sort of insinuation that, you know, like the Mariners, you know, shouldn't be there or any sort of, th- of that sort of, uh, kind of underestimation, he straight away is kind of onto it. He's defiant and it's kind of like, well, this, this is what happens when you basically operate the way we do, right? Um, and I just think it's really interesting because it almost like, his team embodies the way he kind of portrays himself it's, to the media. It's yeah. exactly, but he's playing to the crowd. He knows his crowd yeah. because it is a team of players that have been dismissed. It is a team of players who even from the youth academy, you are kind of forgotten in New South Wales up there. Someone like Nick Triantis has been on the books of Sydney FC and the Wanderers and he's at the Mariners. So they understand what he's talking about. Mm. And even we saw that with Adelaide when Carl Veard said, oh yeah, we weren't really going at it in this final round. He just came off and said, oh, Woods are going to come and beat you again then. And he was very clear about it. I was like, well, maybe you should give your whole fans their money back. So mm. he is... He's a smart, he's a very smart man and he's playing to the crowd that's listening to him. And that crowd is his dressing room. Not just his dressing room though, those fans. Those fans at the Central Coast, they feel neglected. They feel like that's how the league views them. So he's got them on strings and it's really working for them. And how much of that, how much of that is a part of the fact that Montgomery's been at that club for forever. Like he's been there for many, many mm. years and a really, really big part of why he wants to make a big scene of it, but also a big, a big part of the reason why he's just the right man for them to lead them into this game, to lead them into this scenario. And that's why he's going big on the rhetoric because he knows it works and he knows it's true, right? Yeah, like that, yeah. that's it. That's what he's there to do. And, you know, every, people in the league are waxing lyrical about the Mariners, about Central, about Adelaide United. And what these two share are two coaches that have been there and involved not just with the club but with the youth development right, of so the, the Melbourne City and the Mariners in the great final not Adelaide and the Mariners I'm totally like I said Melbourne City <laughs> I expected to be there Adelaide United and Central Coast are yeah. overperforming and it's yeah. a big reason it's because they've got two guys with their fingers on the pulse they know they yeah. understand what that region is they've been involved in the club in the youth development and we've talked in the past how many coaches are a lot more risk averse than these two because they're scared of what this young player might do. These two guys bring in players fully knowing what they're capable of, and that's what they're getting opportunities, and that's why it's working. Also, them. I just, as far as the character reference goes, 
Rado Vidicic is not talked about at all. Which so, I, I, I was just, uh, no, great that you bring this up because I'm just about to talk about this because there were, there were a couple of pieces actually on Rado Vidicic this week. Uh, on Keep Up, I saw some stuff. Uh, I think, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I think Anna Harrington at the AAP did a nice piece on Rado as well. Um, and actually kind of telling his story. Um, and I think a lot of people, like, he's got a great story, right? As well. Um, you know, Rado, um, has, Come over here, of course, um, when he was, when he was younger. Um, he had actually had to do army service, uh, in, in Kosovo for a little bit. Um, he was a high school teacher up in Brisbane, right? Um, as Matt, uh, closes his Powerade, um, another, another piece of free advertising for, for the, uh, for the sports drink. Um, but yeah, with Rado as well, and people forget about, you know, he played a big part in the Rossellona mm-hmm. period, yeah, right? He did, yeah. he, he did. Just um, with that one too. Yeah. It's, he played a big period and when Ange let, he was talked about how he was mm. the brains behind it. And Best up, Borussia it, wouldn't have come to Australia without Rado Vizic. But it's also the comeback story of he gets to replace Ange. It does not go his way at all. And to just bide your time to build back up, to gain that respect and gain this opportunity. And this guy who everyone just wrote off over a decade ago, has a chance now to write his name on history permanently. So it's fantastic to see. Yeah. And the other thing, you guys were talking there about Monty and you were saying um, how he knows the club and stuff. Well, Rado Vidicic knows Melbourne City very well now, right? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and Matt can speak to this a little bit more on the woman's side of things. Um, and it's actually an incredible stat um, that if Melbourne City win this game, Rado Vidicic would become the second coach to win an A-League woman and an A-League men championship. She's Do you know... Back. His predecessor, yeah, his yeah. predecessor was the other guy who did that, <laughs> which part. is unbelievable, Same right? Part. Same sort of part. Um, which actually I think speaks a little bit to Melbourne City and their kind of yeah. structure as well. Yeah. Um, so really interesting. Um, but Matt, yeah, like the Rado Vizic thing, uh, I think it's all just kind of been a little bit looked over the fact that, come on, this is still Paddy's team. You know, Patrick Snorbo, Rado yeah. just kind of took over a team that was already doing well. So who really cares? He's just kind of overseeing a, a steady ship, right? Um, but I don't know. I think that's a little bit, a little bit unfair on him. Um, because, yeah, because when you, particularly when you think of someone like Patrick DeSnorbo and the way he is as a motivator, right? So when you're going away from that to someone like Rado, who from the outside looking in seems a bit more quiet, seems a little bit more reserved Mm -hmm. to still get a tune out of the team week in, week out Mm -hmm. and basically just pick up where we're going. And there was like a little period mid-season, like when Melbourne City came here to Adelaide and lost 4-2, where there were some some doubts kind of thinking, well, they're not the same sort of team. But then back end of the season, they really kind of came home strong and just reaffirmed that they are the team to beat. Yeah, well, I, I mean, obviously, you know, before the sort of big three, big four dynamic was going on in the A-League women, Melbourne City were sort of the cream of the crop, right? They were winning titles for fun. They were, you know, walking teams home and away. And, and Rado was obviously a re- really, really big part of that. Never mind the fact that he had been with academy teams. Never mind the fact that he's been in Australian football for a very, very long time. But also just, just on the whole, you know, Kisnorbo's more direct and he's a bit more quiet. I mean, does that really, does that really matter at the end of the day? Because when it, when it comes to these character references, right? Let me, let me, get, let me take a really weird angle with this, right? Aaron Moy would name the famous Aaron Moy quote. You can't, right? But does everyone love Aaron Moy? Does everyone love yeah. what he stands for? Does everyone love his character? Right, everyone in Australian football does. Rado is exactly the same. He's a mm. lovable guy. He's a likable guy. I've met him. I've spoken to him. 
you know, in, in football before. And I think, the, you know, you don't need to be this big outspoken character to be a leader, to be an important personality. Mm. And, and that's where Rado is actually really, really valuable as a character in a dressing room like that, especially one that needs stability to maintain their success. Yeah, yeah. and their standards. And yeah. I think I think it's talked about more because he is at the role of a coach. And especially when you are succeeding someone like Patrick Kuznorbo, it's kind of like night and day in character. But I think the players have spoken about how he's given a bit more freedom to express themselves, which, again, it's a different way to go about it, but you can get a tune out of a very talented group of players with that. But going back on the structure, again, you can have all the resources in the world, but you need to know how to use them. And ever since Melbourne City hired Marco Petrillo, mm. I reckon that's been their best yeah. signing yeah. that they've had because that's someone that builds Great point. a structure. And that's why the structure's working and that's why these resources are being maximized because someone who really knows what they're doing has their hands on the trigger and is doing a fantastic job. And that's why Melbourne City keeps doing what Melbourne City does, and the, having that structure. Well, and the signings as well. I mean, Petrillo doesn't miss, right? <laughs> at, at the moment, he just isn't. And from his days in Adelaide, we're well aware mm. of him here because he did a fantastic job here as well. And it was a huge loss for Adelaide and yeah. it's been a huge gain for Melbourne City. Yeah, yeah. And then when, you're, you know, when you've got the, the scouting... Uh, expertise and then you mix it with the resources I mean you're bound to so basically create you, a team year on year that's that's near the top and yeah. it's not about the resource because you can have all the scan but the decision making mm. that's what's so valuable and that's what they've gotten so right in their structure they just get it right yeah no ab- absolutely I actually didn't mention with Jamison before um, Scott Jamison on the Melbourne City coaching staff next year um, because he's transitioning now into that role thoughts thoughts how, how do we see Jamo Going into a going into a coaching role, he is a, he is a hothead. But need I remind <laughs> need I remind you need I remind you, Ruben Zadkovic, Marco Rudan, they can they can happen. They can have their success. Yep. You know, they can they can be there. So, I I would look forward to seeing Jamo because because I'll tell you what, he he really cares about the A League as a product. So regardless of where it goes, mm. regardless of how it goes, being more involved in football and potentially getting to senior management, it would be a really really big deal for someone like that who's a great ambassador for the game. Yeah, and I think it's a big loss for TVs because I reckon he'd be a great pundit. But again, it goes back to that structure of Melbourne City that we talked about. You identify someone that not only, I guess, vibes with your club, but that has the aspiration. Give them a chance. Scott Jamison, we forget, he was an A-League nomad. You know, he was yeah. all over the place. But he's found a home at Melbourne City. He sees himself moving up in that way and they're supporting him and there's no I can't see a reason why he won't do a good job there Patrick his normal took a very similar path and he's over in Europe now we know the other thing with Jamo which I think I've I've gained a lot of respect for him um, because of it is that he actually kind of took on this role of creating the culture at Melbourne City a little bit as well Um, and I think he really takes pride in actually representing that club Um, and I think that shouldn't go unnoticed because it's really hard for a club like Melbourne City for now we see with West United, MacArthur and stuff to actually build an identity and a culture and stuff like that. And, and, and what I'm saying, Matt, is and Jamo has been one of the key reasons that they've been able to build that successful culture. Yeah. But, but, but it's also like like him being an advocate for the game in that in that sense as well. I know I know from personal experience, Gareth Morgan is still in frequent, frequent contact with him at Perth. Everyone everyone loves talking to him. Everyone loves getting a story from him. He is valued at every club that he represented. And so he's he's actually someone that we should really 
uh, <laughs> really, really, um, you know, take take pride in um, taking that next step in his career. And Tony, is he valued here in South Australia? Um, not as much. As <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. The uh, the historical references yeah, were a bit off there. I apologize. Oh, yeah, we are. South Australia it's a bit more parochial over still, here. Still, still a bit upset. Uh, I think we always, fans about uh, the, uh, I yeah. always think there's a bit of good banter when he comes over here. Yeah, and especially yeah. online with Travis Dodd. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's true. Whenever Jamson comes here to, to Adelaide, there's there's always a good little kind of back and forth, and everyone kind of plays. But, Plays think, their role in the band. And I yeah. think at the start it was a bit of animosity, but you know, it's kind of grown into a bit of a fun thing. You know, <laughs> yeah, the people are going to serve him when he's here and he's going to serve it back. Yeah. Um, last point, just a talking point of the game. Uh, Chris Beef, final game, um, before he retires as an A-League referee. Gotta give him, gotta give him a shout out. Um, I don't know, guys. Any, Dollar any Martin, thoughts? Dollar Martin Awards, he won ref- referee of the year. Huh? He won referee of the year. And there you go. Yeah. Which was, was probably like slight tokenism to just kind of give him. <laughs> probably, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's got the grand final too. <laughs> yeah. So best of luck to him. It's for Look. the, it's for the game. And mm. at the end of the day, you know, whatever your opinion is, he is a FIFA accredited referee. And a lot right. of big clubs have had one, some of the biggest days with Chris Beath. Club World Cup. He's with, officiated with Chris yep. Beath officiating. So. Best of luck to him, and I'm very glad that Australian football still has referees like Alex King and Ali Resifagani to continue providing high standard of refereeing for the game. So best of luck to him and what comes next, and we'll go from there. I hope his last game is a quality one because I reckon the sides are going to bring it. I hope the referees bring it too. Do you think he does like a? I'm going to make one last huge decision to, before I before I leave. Can you imagine? Can you like, imagine, like it's like a mic drop? Yeah, like, no, no. Can you imagine that this grand final has like the best art Borussia 2012 decision? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh. well, that's going to be a memorable one. We should get him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, one last thing: the making of the Mariners uh, documentary um, that was released earlier this week. The document 40 minute kind of little, yeah. little thing, uh, with Larry McKenna, Josh Rose, Matt Simon, Daniel Green. Any of you guys kind of, did so, you catch that? Yeah, did so you, there's, yeah. so there's, there's a whole bunch of, um, A-Legs All Access episodes that have been made specifically for the yeah. finals. Yeah. And there's even one that they've done as a grand final preview in, in relation to yeah. this week as well. I, I haven't caught any of it. I was actually planning to watch it in preparation <laughs> for this, but I, unfortunately I just didn't get the time for it. Um, but uh, well, I, I, yeah. I, can I just say, cause we might as well talk about it just on the side, yeah. if you don't mind. The, the impact that A-Legs All Access has had, given a lot of the controversy that's gone on, I think it's actually been a really, really bright spark for the season. Just thought I'd mention that. Now yeah, no, no, it's true. No, I was just going to talk about, first of all, just, just funny point. We've got Daniel McBreen and Laurie McKenna on the making of the Mariners, um, yeah. feature when, when both are also, Quite heavily involved the down yeah. the road, uh, yeah. at, at the biggest rivals, um, previously, which I always find interesting. But, um, no, it was really good to listen to actually them open up on, you know, when the Mariners were, were shit, right? Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's yeah, cut yeah. the chase. Okay. A lot of people kind of just, and it, it, you know, same thing can be said for like MacArthur at the moment, you know, um, and in Melbourne Victory when they've had the bad seasons, different with Melbourne Victory actually because they're, because they're a huge very club, different. but yeah. very different. But these, these lesser clubs who don't have the bigger fan bases, when they do poorly, everyone just kind of goes, oh, whatever, you know, it's a Mariners because let's focus on the rest of the league, whatever. So to actually hear them open up on actually like, no, this was what was going on. Like Daniel McBreen actually saying to Sean Millicamp, um, this this is a joke, right? Um, this is not good enough. And Sean actually going, yeah, you're right. 
you know, and you know what, you should be able to speak your mind. And actually having, opening up about those hard, honest conversations, like a lot of people, I feel, wouldn't have that perspective around how things were, you know, at the Mariners at that time. And to actually get that deeper level of understanding and to hear about the, the level of concern uh, really sets it up nicely, I think, for, for this day. But also, also just while we're having the conversation, because I might as well mention, I mean, from the episodes that we saw earlier, like the Jason Cummings one and that, mm. to see the inner sanctum and the way that it's changed uh, at <laughs> Forbidden Words, to see the, the way that, that things are going on inside the club, as we saw with the, the Garen Call episode, the Jason Cummings episode, the way that, the, that they've actually really built that culture, they've actually completely turned it around, the, you know, just, just the day-to-day function of the club. It, it looks really, really stable. So I haven't seen this new one. I'm, I'm obviously going to yeah. watch it before the yeah. grand final, but just to see that changeover from those days to now, you can tell the club has really had reflected on those honest conversations and really took a really hard look at themselves and, and built themselves up to, to be a club that's playing in the grand final. It's it's a big testament to them. Yeah, when you're at a club like that, you need to do things differently. Okay, You can't just do it like everyone else because if you try to be Melbourne City, Melbourne City is just going to outdo you in doing Melbourne City. And a few small things, like, you know, when you think, I think it was the Grand Quote episode with the no dickheads banner. Yeah. Just something small <laughs> like that. We laugh at it, but it's yeah. something you look at and you're like, all right, this is very clear and not just a sign, actually living that. Then we've got, um, things like, you know, the group picture. I remember back in those years when they were a joke, the group picture happens. Like, hey, look, they finally got their picture done. Mm. They're still doing it every week when they win. And it's getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, wow, how did they get this so big? But people forget that they were doing that when they were garbage. Yeah. So yeah. especially in a club like that, when you are awful, the one thing you have standing is your fans. Yeah. And your community. Yeah. And for, for take that, take a note in that A-League and APL, because we're going to talk about that later. Yeah. Because that's the be-all yeah. and end-all. Yeah. But one more thing about A-League's all-access. The best thing for me that's come out of this season mm. is that because it's not just telling the stories that need to be told, but if just by any chance a random comes across it, you're like, you know what? This league sounds interesting. Yeah. I want to check it out. They're nice, bite-sized episodes, 20 minutes. It gets you into places you don't see in English football and European football. It's just great content, you know? It's Awesome. The mm. fact that they, they did an episode about Ramat Akbari's, you know, immigration story from Afghanistan, yeah, you know, just, yeah. just things like, things like that that come to mind that are just so out of left field and so important from a journalistic perspective to be telling yeah, us as absolutely. well. Also, just one, one more thing that I've noticed uh, on this transition of the Mariners that I wanted to mention is I remember during the semifinals, they sort of did the inside the, the change rooms while the players walk out and mm-hmm. go, go through the tunnel. And the Mariners had actually put up a big sign. I can't remember for the life of me what it says. Yeah, it, it has it has like some some slogan on it, right? And they all they're all sort of touching the sign, and they're built they're building that club culture that like really breeds like proper authentic football club success, written, yeah, yeah. you know. And that that's also something that I just wanted to touch on because it, it it's the kind of thing that the Mariners in the past they wouldn't think of, they wouldn't be doing. So they're going the extra mile. And we talked about that in our last podcast, Christian, that they've got twenty thousand people where they're coming from. How do you get them yeah, there? Yeah. That's how it's an organic thing and people are buying what the Mariners are selling. And it's gonna take time, but they put in the work and they're getting the reward for it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, a few things just kind of on pitch, how we see the game playing out. So, um, I'm going to pose this question. Given the way both these teams have played all season, given the managers, are we simply destined here, final or not, 
destined here to have an open transition end-to-end sort of game. How, how do you see it playing out? I hope so. I don't think yeah. either team will compromise who they are. Mm. We've definitely seen with the Mariners, they will not, with Adelaide, two similar sides, they told Adelaide, no, you're going to beat us. We yeah. are not going to compromise what we're doing. So I really hope they both come out at each other. They've been doing it all season. I can't see what they'll change today. Maybe a few moves to begin with, but it's not going to be like the final we saw last year with Western United, Northern City, this close, cagey thing. Western United grab an early goal, shut up shop. I reckon it's going to be full-on action for the majority of the game, and I cannot wait to watch it. I think I think also with a game like this, you'd like to sort of look at the, tar- the target areas where you think there'll be the most action. And I can't stop thinking about the threat of Jamie McLaren coming up mm. against that centre-back pairing. For I've mentioned this Maris. as well, that Jamie McLaren, he's been a little bit quiet in the final series. Yeah. Is he saving it for the big one? And I just, I'd just watch that space uh, too. It's, um, it's yeah. funny because both forwards have arguably been quiet and Cummings and McLaren quieter than the usual selves. Yeah. They're still scoring. So the teammates have been doing a lot of impressive work, but these guys can just change a game like that. And you just need one opportunity to write your name in history again. And history just remembers this hero in the grand final. So, And that's the thing. Despite them not being at their brilliant best, their teams are just performing better than ever. So it's like they're aiding their team by being a distraction in yeah. a kind of way. Well, and then I think there's two interesting, I think, obstacles for, for both sides going into it where I think Rado Vidicic has an interesting he actually has got a bit of a selection dilemma because in that semi-final second leg we spoke about it he went all in he said I'm playing all four of Mabu, Lecky, McLaren, Tilio what are you going to do about it who cares this time it's going to be interesting because is he going to drop one to make room for the usual uh, Van der Van Berisha um, O'Neill setup in midfield O'Neill's untouchable he's obviously going to play or is it the four start again and Barisha plays and Berenger and Van der Ven are left on the bench? Both of them. I mean, it's incredible depth what we're talking about here, right? <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. But, you know, what I'm saying is with depth comes, you know, comes that, comes that issue. So that's interesting. The Mariners, on the other hand, they've actually got a positive in this sense for me where I think that this team just rolls over and picks itself from that second leg against Adelaide. Yeah. And then they've got the Theoharis as the Wenzel Halls, who you can just chuck out there with 20 minutes to go to do something, right? I mean, Seriously, like Dylan Wenzel Halls, remember, we spoke about that when he signed. Like, great signing, seriously, great signing, but he hasn't really done much yet. I mean, who knows? Maybe his big moment is is coming here, right? Is that two consecutive grand finals for for Dylan as well? Unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Great pickup. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Um, Seriously, great pickup. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just with your point, I do think with Sydney FC, we've talked about they are a floor team. They... Mm can be there for the taking if you go at them. I don't think the Mariners are that way. And I think you have to respect their midfield. Yeah, so I that's, don't think he does it. Yeah. That's why I think he will revert to a more traditional midfield. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's going to go and underestimate them. But then you've got the headache but, who sits on the bench. I cannot answer No, that's that. right. And It's an incredibly hard one to answer. And mm. that's why I rather Vinicius is doing what he's doing. And we're here recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, good luck to him. There is no bad option. But again, you know, who shows up on the day? But you know, and, and if you're, if you're thinking like with the, so Lecky plays a 10, we mentioned that in that Sydney game. Now he's got the option where if he goes more traditional to start off with, maybe he goes, if they're one nil down at the end, okay, fuck it. I'm playing all four and let's go for it and play Lecky as a 10, got, whatever. Yeah. They've right? got that experience now that 
in that's the, sorry. That's the other thing I was about to mention is that the Mariners also have the experience obstacle they have to overcome. Yeah. They've never been here before. City have one, right. Yeah, one thing that is playing in their favor, though, for me, is the settled lineup. We often see these grand final sides come in with a settled lineup, and that's what gives them the edge. And you can't say City have a set lineup after those semi-finals. They obviously have a lot of talent. But I reckon consistency is very, very underrated in the league that is very disrupted. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. But also, yeah, like, no. just, just the rollover with City and the fact that they've never been able to actually put the best possible team together. I think it arguably is still an asset for them because, like we say with Melbourne City, their biggest their biggest strength is the fact that we can't really talk about them because there's just that much going on and there's there's yeah. that much talent there speaking for itself all the time. It also in in a one off game, given that that sort of sense of of sort of going into the unknown, right? Mm. I think that that can be a really intimidating factor for the Mariners and something that definitely will be to uh, to City's benefit. Yeah, and then. I was there at the grand final last year. People haven't mentioned this this whole time. I mean, City are a little bit kind of out for blood as well because I remember that game afterwards. Obviously, it was Western's Day, right, when when they won it and stuff. But you felt City was like, I mean, it almost kind of felt like did they did they wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Like they just they were flat the whole game. So I almost kind of think, did they use that as motivation, go into the game the first 20 minutes and they just come out and try and get an early goal and like just get in the Mariners' face straight away? I could see that approach. And I think they're going to use some kind of demons from last year a little bit to fuel them as well. And that's kind of what I'm saying, where the Mariners, they're something that works against them is that they don't have that kind of we've lost big games mentality to use. You have City's, City's inner demons and a lot of the context going on there. Yeah. So many lost grand finals, four grand finals in a row. Yeah. We, we get that. But we're talking about a club here that hasn't made a grand final for yeah. 10 years. Yeah. We are talking about Nick Montgomery as their manager who's been through it all. He's been through it all with that mm. club. He understands that club to a T. I think it's actually it's actually perfect because they both want to go out there and they <laughs> both want to smash it and they both want to put in that grand final champion performance with so many storylines going on. So I actually disagree. But no, 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 like- no, 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 no. Well, to be fair, once you mentioned that, obviously all the years finishing bottom and stuff, yeah. of course, I'm saying there's more of that um, relevant probably demon for Melbourne City where they have lost to the side last year. But Antonis, Just yeah. quickly with that, we have to remember the Mariners did make the Australia Cup final last year and lost like a real unrest of a match against Melbourne Victory with that late goal. So, I think I think the team has changed so much since then. It has, but there's yeah. still a spine and the coach, you know, it's... It's a cultural thing. It hurts you. Like, we're so close. But yeah. for me, it's a grand final. You know, it's motivation enough to win it. And I just want to say that if either team feels like we're just going to go and attack them, you just need to realize that they're going to come the other way just as hard because they're both two brilliant attacking sides that can do damage at any given moment. So I don't think either side's going to be doing an all out assault because you're going to have to worry about the other side of the pitch as well. Okay. We've reached, we've reached the time. We've reached the time on the podcast. Um, so about 41 and a half minutes in, uh, grand final decision. Okay. Let's, let's get into it. So about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, there's been some developments this week with it. Obviously, as you'd expect heading into the game, there's going to be, it's going to be brought up again and, and whatnot. Um, we've seen some ideas being introduced, which I think all three of us aren't against really at all. It's more, and Antonis, I'll let you have the floor in a minute. Um, but it's more, I guess, the way these ideas have been brought about, um, from the PR disaster that, that we saw, right? You know, it, it's just, I'm pretty sure I've said this before. It, it is a PR disaster. It is what it is. And, and look, 
to Danny Townsend's credit, he did admit, he has admitted that, you know, they have regrets over how they delivered it and stuff. Although, he had some comments earlier this week. He was talking to News Corp and stuff, and he he has kind of reaffirmed that he has no regrets about the decision. Um, and when kind of questioned about the All-Stars kind of um, aspect and the whole Bayern Munich thing getting, um, you know, falling through, um, he kind of said, you know, it will be easier next year. You know, we're going to try again to get it next year. And, you know, kind of, we'll just kind of, unfortunate the circumstances didn't suit this year. It's kind of how it felt, definitely, as I was reading the, the article. Um, and on the article as well, it was kind of confirmed, well, he confirmed that, uh, 22,000 was kind of the crowd that they mentioned and it could come, come grand final day be close to a sellout. So let's all of that information at once. Um, Antonio, so I'll let you have the floor. Um, Thoughts on kind of what I've just kind of explained I'm just there. Take and, the yeah. One by one. Number one, it doesn't matter how many people you get you get in there, the damage is already done. You can yeah. have how many people you want in there, you're not going to have what's happened in Melbourne, in Adelaide, in Perth, in Brisbane, in Newcastle, not happening. So it's already tainted in my opinion. I love, love all these different yeah. aspects that are coming on grand, we've all been in grand finals here. Mm. My experience in the grand final was match day. I'm so excited. Go to the game. Game finishes. We celebrate. Ah, oh, that's it. It's just what we do. They are showing us that they can do all these amazing things. Yeah. Why couldn't we have done it all these years is my question to you. Why can't a ride for grand final host get an A-League All-Stars game? Why mm. can't a ride for host get a festival of football? That I would travel to that. And I know many people that would travel to that because it is an event. And we were talking before that you can attract the quote-unquote Euro snobs with an A-League All-Stars game and filter them through the A-League as well. That's what disappoints me, that this has only happened, these ideas have come, because this has been a disaster. You can pay in any way that you want. It is a disaster. No one wants it, okay? Festival football is great, but if people do not agree with what is being celebrated, your festival sucks. I'm sorry. And that's it. You can have all these great ideas, but people don't want this. You can sell it as much as you want. You can give all the tickets away. You can sell all the tickets. It is not what people want. It is not 50,000 Adelaide United fans celebrating, breaking a streak of finishing as the bridesmaid. It is not Perth. They might not have won, but filling a huge stadium and having mm. the day. It's not Newcastle having the day. It's not Brisbane having the day. It's not. You cannot replace it. You can sell the grand final for five cents on the dollar, but it's, you cannot replace that. That is invaluable. And there's just no replacement. I don't know how else I can say it. Matt? Um, yeah, look, I just really want to hammer home a point that Antonis has made there because you have, you have to understand, like, what, not only would we be bringing the tourism to a dedicated host city for an all-star game for a grand final, but we would just be having a happy, positive environment where the only beneficiary is Australian football, right? Think about who runs Australian football. It's the clubs themselves. They are doing that advertisement for themselves. They are promoting themselves in the process and they're helping bringing in, you know. We mean, we mean the A-League when you say who runs Australian football, obviously. Yeah, yeah I, the course. APL. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I'm specifically talking from yeah. an APL sense. 
in an A-League sense, of course. Yeah, From Australia, we're not ignoring you. <laughs> no, 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 of course. Of course. Um, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's but, I, okay. but I just, you know, because, because again, the, the A-League, so Australian League football, um, Australian professional football is, is the beneficiary of that. Yeah. And, you know, you take a 14-year-old from, you know, Western Sydney, he loves Bayern Munich, he loves Barcelona. If there's a grand final at Parramatta that the Wanderers are playing in, and then he sees the Wanderers and he sees someone like, you know, Cummings and McLaren up front against those clubs like that you know, you're you know bringing what that person you in. know what the interesting is so and what Antonis is basically saying is and I agree is that all the ideas that we're seeing the NSL legends versus A-League legends game I mean fantastic yeah, idea yeah. like a perfect idea to bring through bring together the two worlds and and people you know and I know this from from talking to people stuff there's still that animosity there from the old NSL and that you know and it's and it's kind of always lingered around so to have an idea like that where it actually celebrates hey you know, under one umbrella, you know, let's, let's, let's appreciate that. You know, let's, let's uh, embrace that. Right. Um, but what Antonis is saying, and I agree is that if you give it to the team that actually, you know, earned the right to host. So let's say this was in Melbourne and we have the festival of football that they're putting on and all this sort of stuff. And it's, and it's great. Um, you know, and there's, uh, entertainment, you know, pregame entertainment, you know, maybe a halftime show, whatever, this sort of stuff that they do maybe in America and things like that. That'd be great. Whatever. Um, you know, it's going to incentivize people to, to travel. So let's say, you know, to Melbourne and people from Sydney, I think would travel to Melbourne to go and see that. But more to the point, let's say you're the Victorian government, right? And Melbourne City hosts the grand final. They have the, uh, the all stars game there. They have the festival of football, people interstate travel. This actually kind of helps in a way Townsend's whole argument with the kind of tourism thing, because what those state governments might actually start doing is, well, hang on a minute. When by actually our the clubs in our city earning the right to host an A League Grand Final, they're going to actually bring all this tourism in for us. So maybe we should look at investing in football in our state, right, and helping so maybe our clubs can secure these big events to attract people from interstate. But yeah. what you're doing is you're actually building a good relationship with that state government. Yeah, you're showing yeah, yeah. your value. But right now, what we're doing is we've just gone to Sydney and said. Look at this. This is a mess. You want some of it? Too bad. You've agreed for three years. Exactly. But what's happened here, though, is I'll go back to his point about mm. Bayern Munich because this still, let's remember, was agreed with the Liberal government that proceeded to be voted out in New South Wales. Labor comes in and says, how many million to bring Bayern Munich here? Yeah. We're not doing that. Mm. So I don't know what will convince them to bring them next year. This is a deal they did not sign up for. So that's something to look at because, again, I'm sure they've seen the fallout. It looks like they don't agree with that amount of money to bring a team here. So that's the Sparta point. I want to bring one more point I missed out on. You're stealing an experience from these kids. You know, why should this young kid in Melbourne miss out because a state's premier has decided to chuck some money in Sydney. These are kids that could watch their heroes play. These are core memories, memories that these kids will grow up thinking, I was there that day that Jamie McLaren scored the win. I was there that day when that Socceroo did this. You know, that's their experience. And you are taking it away from them and giving it to someone from Sydney just because their premier decided to value football and chuck some money into it, which is, and even, it was even more, hurtful for me watching that happen in the women's grand final with Western United in the first year and speaking 
to Brooke Musket from the Western Corps, yeah. talking about all these young girls that are showing up every week, cold the cannons, seeing their senior players getting an opportunity, that just don't have a chance to go there for the only reason being that a deal was made that didn't take them into account. And that's what hurts me, that these kids just miss out on the opportunity that they would have had any other year. So other people benefit, but it just makes me sad. One of the first ever uh, big opinion pieces that I did for Front Page Football was about this sort of active support yeah, conversation. Yeah, and yeah. if you recall, the enemy to me at the time was the fact that the powers that be would target this sort of market of, of children and sort of the, the younger demographic. Mm. I can't believe that we're now sitting here saying, <laughs> can the younger demographic come back to the game? <laughs> Like that, that, that to me shows how big of a fuck up this is because, because all you wanted to do for years and years and years was, was, you know, pander to get the children involved, get them, get them involved in the game. And, and all we've ended up doing is alienating a base that yeah. we thought was number one. Yeah. Hey, I'll just go back. Who are, who do you, who are you to make this decision? You know, how can you make this decision? It's just so rolled up. He said who three times before he got his sentence out. <laughs> but, but who are you to make this decision without asking these people? Yeah. These people that for years, for years, we chuck money into this game, into these clubs, into this sport. No questions asked because we love it. And then without being considered, it's like, yeah, screw you, Sydney. It, it's disrespectful. It's a slap to the face. And it's a slap to the face that this is called... Oh, we're making a new tradition. How long has this league been going on for? When have we had the time to make a tradition? Now, these fans that started watching this league are starting to have kids. They start to take their kids to the game. This tradition was starting to set in. And you decided to say, actually, no, let's reset this. That would be a cool thing to do. Everyone wants this, don't they? No. You've, you've said that. Sorry. You've just made that comment thinking the tradition, the tradition that he's trying to refer to started in 2005. We've had a grand final hosted by one yeah. team since 1977. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, but this is, this, this but, goes back to what I was just saying. Sorry about the NSL A-League yeah, divide, right? And yeah. that, that creates it right there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. when you reset as a league and you start that way, you, you value it. People value it. People, this is a young league. This is the one thing we have. You know, that is our tradition. What else is our tradition? You know, what memes are our tradition. A league is our tradition. This is the one tangible thing that everyone. A league was becoming a tradition. Just quickly, everyone, and what hurts the most about this, everyone's had their day. You've been here, we've had our day. I've been here, we've had our day. You've had your day. Everyone has had their day. So when this happened, without any prior consultation, it was Post in the grand final by yeah, our dad, yeah. yeah. It, without any prior consultation, it's a kick to the face to everyone because everyone has had their day. Everyone knows how it feels and everyone had that stolen from them. And I'm going to say stolen because that's exactly what it was because not a question was asked. Phoenix fans haven't had their day. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Look, like, like, not is, everyone has. Not every no, team has hosted a great time. But yeah, just quickly, yeah. just quickly with them, they've come back from COVID now twice. Could you imagine the happiness they would have had? Yeah. They literally know what it feels like to have your team taken away from you. Yeah. None of their control. Yeah. They, I'm sure they understand how it feels, even if they haven't had their day. It yeah. just sucks. Yeah, and a couple of things. You know, like, okay, there could be 25,000 there on Saturday, right? And the atmosphere could be decent. But 
and Antonis was kind of getting at this, it's not going to be the same as the 50,000 at Adelaide. Not, not just because in 2016, not just because of, um, the fact that it's just obviously 50,000 more people, but when it's the home club is there, you've got, you know, the traditional fans there that the, the atmosphere is intense. It's, you know, it's in your face. It's, you know, and then when you've actually got the away fans who travel, they're your most loyal, the most intense away fans who are going to be traveling. So the atmosphere is completely heightened to a whole new level. Um, and just one other thing, and so that's why I throw back to you is why do we have to have a PR disaster to, to come up with good ideas? Right. You know, why, why do we have to go through, you know, mess and a chaos and all of this for, for us as a league and as, and as, you know, powers that be to come up with good ideas, you that, know, and that's, that's the frustration too. That's the insulting part that it takes people asking for blood for you to throw them a bone to show, oh, let's make this an event actually. And I'll go back to your argument. You might have 25,000 people there. What kind of 25,000 people yeah. do you want? How many because casuals are there? I will yeah. take 25,000 people that are desperate to see the club win. They have ridden the highs and the lows of the season. I want to see the club have the big day. Over 25,000 theatre goers who couldn't care less, that got thrown the ticket, that say, oh, it's here, might as well go, see how you know what it's all about. I don't want them. They can come if they want. I would rather sell out a stadium in a city of people that have been so engaged with this that they like. And when we had the grand final here in Adelaide, as a member, I could buy 20 tickets. I bought 20 tickets. Did I have 20 people to go with me? Nope. Did I find them? Absolutely. Because I knew this city was so hooked on it that they wanted to go. And it wasn't to resize a stupid prize because I want people to come to this game, people yeah. that care about it because everyone cared about it because Adelaide went from being bottom after six, seven rounds to winning it all. So people were invested. That's why people want to go. You put a city under your spell and you just take it without any warning, any consultation. It's criminal. Like, I can't describe it any other way. It's criminal. It's negligent. Mm. All right. On that note, uh, we've been talking for about uh, almost almost an hour, um, and uh, we've we've got a little bit of season review stuff to do uh, right after this quick break. Okay. So um, last last kind of twenty half an hour or so, I want to kind of reflect a little bit on on the season that we've had. In the, uh, in the A-League, um, men. Um, first of all, I was just looking at this season alone today. I was actually doing my own kind of little statistical deep dive and having a look at some trends and this sort of stuff to just kind of see if there's anything interesting for us to, to discuss. Um, now, first of all, I'll ask you though, before we get into that, one word, one word that comes into your mind when you, when you reflect on, on this season. So well, I, it could, look, it could be two or three if, if you really need yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking three words. Okay. Recovery. Recovery in terms of the overall marketing and the overall vibe in the league. Recovering in terms of the overall... <laughs> 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 um, progress. Progress in that a lot of what was negative about the league again. Just I just personally have always been of the belief that 21-22 was a disaster of a season for many metrics, and those metrics were overcome. And then my third word would obviously be hurt because that was undone. It was undone by mm. the grand final decision. Yeah. And, you know, it, it really has been hard to recover from that. But then we've also had so many highs, so many lows. You know, it's been a big, big season for us um, at FBF as well. I mean, there's there's so much you could say about it, right? So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm going to stick with those three and, and hand it off 
Antonis. Um, I'm between cruel and false hope because, you know, there was so much promise at the start, the excitement of building up to the really world. Really doubling Cup. down on the negativity well, there. Of course, I'm doubling down on the negativity. <laughs> yeah. Don't give us reasons to be negative. It was honestly, at the start of the season, it was some of the most excited I've been about Australian football. I'm like, this is unreal. We're about to have a World Cup. Yeah. We end up doing very well at the World Cup. Like, half this team is coming back to play in the A-League. The other half has played here in the past. People are going to come around. And before we get a chance to breathe and enjoy it, we all know what happened. And honestly, the rest of the season, yeah, I enjoy the football. I'm a football fan. I like football. But I found the season very mentally draining. And mm. currently, we're at the season's ending eve, and it feels like this season has dragged on for a decade. And it shouldn't have felt that way because it was such an exciting thing. But yeah, that's why my false hope. We were so excited. And again, football is great. But it's just not gone the way we we're hoping, unfortunately. So my three words would be change, chaos, and disbelief. So change in the sense that we had a lot of things that I think were new as well, like illegal access, for example, we, we touched on that. But then change with grand final decisions as well, right? But then the chaos in the sense of the reaction to the grand final decision the Melbourne victory incident, right? That was chaotic. And then disbelief probably in the way, similar to the things that Antonis is saying where the season just kind of petered out to, to its conclusion a little bit, um, which was kind of, I couldn't believe from the sense of all the momentum from the World Cup stuff. Uh, and then it's now transformed to this, which was kind of just bizarre and, and a little bit upsetting, of course, as well. Um, Matt, yeah. Yeah, so... so if we're going to include some of the World Cup stuff, I just want to say, so the season technically started on the 21st of July for the first week of the Australian Cup, right? Yeah. And we include that as part of the season. It was the best cup campaign ever in the, in the way that it was covered, in the, in the results, in the, the draw. Run. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot that went on that was actually so, so enjoyable about the cup. And it's, it's so symbolic that in the same way that the World Cup run was ruined by the APL decision, our best ever cup was ruined by what happened in the cup final. Yeah. And there was so much of that going on and on and on. So when you look at it from Reach 20th, peak, 20th of July out. to yeah. 3rd of June, you actually get a lot of that theme going on and on and on. But it's just, it's crazy to me how we felt so many emotions all in one. And for that reason, I still think the legacy of 22, 23 will be really, really impactful. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point for sure. Whether, whether you know, uh, I think, look, like most of us reflect on it a little bit negatively, of course. Um, but even for those who, for whatever reason, thought it was positive coming out of it, I think, um, you know, it, it's impactful is, is definitely the, the, the common ground with, with it. Right. So anyway, back on the football side of things. Um, and so one thing which comes to mind from this season, now talking more specifically about certain teams and stuff, uh, Western United. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> I guess, you know, if I had to kind of put that out there. And we've discussed this before on the pod. Matt, I'm going to give you some kudos here because it was our first, it was our first A-League pod of the season where we reviewed uh, the first game of the season when Melbourne City played West United. And straight from the off, Matt was flagging it. He was like, these guys, I don't know what's going on. It seems like a disaster. They're nowhere near the team that they were, blah, blah, blah. And their defensive decline is absolutely bizarre. I mean, they, they conceded, I believe, 47 goals this season, right? I mean, pfft, chalk and cheese from, from the, uh, from the team, from the team last year, 1-0, one 1-0 nil, one nil FC, uh, as, as they were most famously named, Antonis has called them that a few times before. Um, so that was one which kind of jumped out. Um, 
the Mariners, interestingly, for all the praise we've been giving them, you know, out of the top four, they actually lost the most games. They actually lost eight games a season, um, across the season, which is kind of interesting. Five more than Melbourne City. Um, and that was kind of because the start, they had this kind of period of win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Um, so interesting. And then Brisbane, who <laughs> me, <laughs> me and Matt had interesting discussions about over the course of the season and then Nick Green stuff and, and whatnot. I mean, they actually ended up only five points off the six, which was kind of just bizarre when you kind of think about what a calamity it seemed to be. So those were three ones just looking face value at the table and kind of looking at it and thinking, wait, hang on a minute. Wait, what the hell happened there? Wait, that's that? And and that kind of just kind of weirded me out. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on, yeah, on those. Okay, okay. So, so, so You're going to address Brisbane, aren't you? So, no, I'm actually not. I'm going <laughs> to... Well, the whole bottom six, the whole bottom six, I don't know if anyone really cared to pay attention to it, and fair enough. Uh, the mood was pretty low, but the entire bottom six completely shifted on the final day of the season. I'm going to get to this per- a little bit. Yeah, Historically, yeah. there's some interesting stuff here. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Perth Glory, time and time again throughout the season, they were seventh and on the verge of the six. They were seventh and on the verge of the six. It kept happening until they finally lost that second game at home to Western. And it was like, oh, we finished the season in ninth. What happened? Yeah, and that yeah. was bizarre because they were actually yeah. on the foot of the six for so long. And the inverse, the inverse kind of happened with Western United, where they you know started out with this terrible mood. They just the season never really got started, but it's actually ended on a really really good note. And John Aloisi left that press conference in WA in like a really happy mood, a bizarrely really same, happy same mood. Same in Adelaide, yeah, we were yeah. there, yeah, yeah. So no, um, I I find it bizarre that Western have been able to sort of turn the tables on that, and they themselves, you know, they're in like tenth, eleventh most of the season. Did they finish? Eighth, I think they did. Don't have it in front of me. Yeah. I, have to, <laughs> I have to be honest. Yeah, uh, we had to compromise our recording of, of, <laughs> of the podcast a little bit. Um, but what I would say, we were talking about this off air just with Weston, how we feel kind of Aloisi. It feels a lot more settled now than what yeah. it was kind of at the start and things like that. And with them maybe you know going to Tiny and playing games out there, they could really start to actually get something sustainable going. So and, yeah, you know, you think back. If they had like one less awful week, they arguably play finals this season. So it started off awfully and for a lot of the time of the season, we're talking about them being potential wooden spooners. But, you know, it talks more about the gap between the best and the rest than anything else because all of these sides, the majority of them, except, for example, MacArthur and maybe Melbourne Victory, the thought was they could play finals until very late. And Matt's sorry, Antonis, Matt's got the table up and we have to apologize really quickly to Western United fans because they actually finished three points out to six in the end. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If they had one less bad week, that's right. They play finals. And what's interesting, this is another quirk I was going to bring up historically. So Wellington finished with thirty five points. Now Matt's forbidden from talking about Wellington. Um but Antonis, I can talk to you about it. No. Um so Wellington's 35 points, and this kind of goes back to when me and Matt spoke about this previously about Wellington's kind of the period they're in at the moment and us not being too sure about it because in each of the previous four seasons, that would not have been enough to make the finals, 35 points. So you can say what you want about, oh, they still made finals and stuff like that, but really it probably was because this bottom six that we're talking about were were, were so poor, right? Um, so that's, that's quite interesting. And yeah, Western... And Definitely got something to hold on with to, yeah. Wellington, like they actually had a good season, but it just it completely fell out yeah. towards the end. And that's when they started rejoining the pack. So, you know, again, it, a lot of things were happening off the pitch, obviously with the change of coach. 
a lot of things to go through now with the next season, a new coach coming in, players coming in, a lot to be decided. But yeah, it's, as I said, it talks more about that gap between the teams and the competition like City, Central Coast, Adelaide, and then the rest. Because all that rest, it kind of felt like it was in play until a week or two before the finals were decided, until the season ended. But you know what's interesting? You talk about the gaps and stuff. So, another one. So, last year and in 2020-21, the gap between first and sixth was actually only 10 points. This year, not only do we have an 11-point gap between first and second, City runaway leaders, there's actually a 20-point gap between first and, and sixth. Now, I don't know what you guys kind of make of that because it's, for me, it probably just speaks to the fact we had a very clearly defined top four this season, right? Which we, which we spoke about, uh, many, many times. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really interesting to see how noticeable that was. I mean, you think of, even you go back to Antonis, like 15, 16, for example, when Adelaide, when Adelaide secured the premiership. I mean, that went down the last day. It was nip and tuck, you know. And the, there were a few teams in yeah, that race. Too. Yeah, right. And it just seems like there's, it seems like the runaway leader thing is becoming a bit more prominent in the A-League, I think, in recent years. And, Obviously, because yeah. of Melbourne City and, and their success, yeah. I think the other problem is, and where Melbourne City collects a lot of these points, is especially this season, it felt we had just a couple of too many messes in the league. Usually, you only have like one mess right there at the bottom of the ladder that no one wants to touch. And we've got now Melbourne victory, mess. MacArthur, mess. Western United for the majority of the season, mess. Um, Brisbane Raw, mess. So, you know, it's a lot of victories for a very competent side like Melbourne City or the Mariners or Adelaide when they have it together. And that's where that gap is built. But here's a counter to that, which is really interesting. So each year in the A-League, historically, there's always, I guess, a super shit team, right? A team, a team who basically... It's just a, it's just a disaster. They can't get anything going. It's basically like loss, losing streaks, this sort of thing. You know, basically kind of what we're talking about with the Mariners before and, and now why this rise is incredible. Now, Sorry. Newcastle, mess. <laughs> Don't say Pythagorean mess. <laughs> but kind of the point is, is that the, that team is usually classed as having less than 20 points. Now, bottom of the league this year actually had 26 points. No team had less than 20 points this year. There was no... Now, Antonis is right. There are there are messes off-field, kind of in that all over that bottom half, they right? They cancel each other out. And, and that's they take probably each why. Other. And, but more to the point, probably because we had two teams in the top six in Sydney and Wellington who... Are we sure that they were proper top six teams by the end of it, right? So then that factors in. But you think of last year, it was Perth Glory were that bad, bad team. The year before, it was victory. The year before, it was the Mariners. And then 18-19, we actually had two teams finish with less than 20 points. Brisbane finished with 18 points. Um, and Mariners actually had 13 that year. It was just an absolute all-time all time low. So, luckily, although Antonis <laughs> is right, the messes cancel each other out, at least it means that teams can stay afloat a little bit and there is a competitiveness to it. I mean, we always say that about the A-League, right? Is because of... You know, there's no relegation and whatever. You know, teams are basically 11 games in, whatever. Their, their, their fate is kind of sealed and this is who they are. Well, by the end of it, we did see at least a few teams make late runs to yeah. maybe get a final spot, right? And that's what I'd like to see when you're there. I don't, 
No one wants to see you just accept your fate and just suck for half a season. Try something new. Play some kids, you know. When Adelaide United was awful in season 16, 17 after championship, it's a good debut, Riley McGree, and he's doing all right these days. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, in every crisis is an opportunity, but only if you want it to be. So, you know, you need to make the best of a bad situation. Not everyone's going to be great every year, but you need to find a silver lining. Matt, um, any, <clears throat> excuse me, any other interesting kind of narratives that pop out to you from, from the season? <laughs> the whole bloody thing. <laughs> well, obviously, obviously. No, but you're, like, you're the narrative man. No, I, I, am, I am the narrative guy. Uh, look, we need to probably, it's time to talk about MacArthur FC. Um, you know, like their season, just think about the fact that they, they sat there, uh, you know, on the eve of October with the Australian Cup mm. in their hands and Dwight York as their manager. A base they had to actually build something. Two yeah. footballers that everyone holds in a really high regard, really close to their heart, and Daniel Lozani and Daniel De Silva. Everyone, everyone What's holds up? Daniel Lozani close to I their do. heart, do they? Okay. Everyone. Uh, Daniel Lozani's <laughs> potential yes. close to their heart. Yes. And I think that, that you know, for that club to have fallen apart in the way that they did, and I'll tell you what, look, I'm, I'm sorry to do it, but the Uli Davila situation, you know, Craig Noon openly weeping on A-League's All Access, that kind of stuff happening in the change room, like, you know, you just, you really have to question and, and uh, not question, sorry, I say that a lot, I? but you really, you really have to sort of assess, uh, you know, a lot about what's going on there and, and how they can actually fix it because something that, I won't name who it was, but there was someone who, you know, was involved with Obviously, you're saying, club. sorry, you're saying obviously the Villa situation kind of obviously rocks the team emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And there's, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot going on. For a second. I felt like that, it felt like that actually bonded them, mm. which yeah, is actually yeah. what really weirded me out when it completely, the bottom fell completely out. But I'll yeah. let you go on. That's, no, no, that's okay. That's okay. Look, I, I just, I thought it was relevant because it explains why there would be a dip in form if for some really good players, particularly Uli himself. Maybe I'm reading into that too much. I don't injuries know. But too, really. yeah. yeah, yeah, the injuries, the injuries, Clayton. But look, someone who's involved with an A-League club, I won't mention who it is, but we were talking a lot about the administration of, uh, you know, the two expansion sides in MacArthur and Western. And he's saying it's honestly, it's scary how MacArthur appear to be quite poorly run. And there appears to be a, quite a bit of things going on behind the scenes where Jacob Burns randomly pops up as the assistant manager and then quits at the end of the season. Mm. Just things like that. And you look at Western United. Okay. Western United, in terms of the two locations, when the expansions were announced, everyone actually kind of warmed to MacArthur and liked the idea of Southwest Sydney as a football region. We are seeing the total opposite. We are yeah. seeing Western United really grow into this club. They're going to be playing home well games run. in Tarnate. Well run. I just want to say quickly, if we didn't have this whole stadium situation, Western United would actually be getting a lot of credit about yeah. how that club as a whole is run. In my 100%. 100%. And MacArthur, we have the total opposite happening. And, you know, that's where that's where the questions need to be asked. That's where there needs to be a lot, a lot done because of the way that the, the club appear to be mismanaged. Yeah. Nah. Um... Okay, MacArthur. All right. I wasn't expecting that was a narrative you're going to fly out with, but um. And yeah. again, we you've mentioned Wellington before, Matt. Um, I'm going to bring up MacArthur now because they have committed to Mile Stachowski for yeah. next yeah. season, and that is a question mark. You know, not going to question his character or him as a coach because I don't know much about yeah. him, but it is a rookie coach in what seems to be a bit of a precarious situation. So we'll see how that squad is made up and. You know, you have to show why this squad's going to go from the bottom and rise again. It's obviously got some quality, winning the cup under Dwight York, 
that it felt like, and I'm going to use an old Central Coast Mariners fans protest banner. It felt like they gone to the pub, as Dwight York may say. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliantly landed. Um, all right. So we, we've mentioned a couple of times with Western United kind of that there's, you know, we feel kind of good about them, for example, going into next season. Just, just in general for both of you. Um, if you had to summarize kind of your feelings going into next season, um, about, about the league, the state it's in, where it could be headed, what could happen, what, you know, what clubs are going to be where come, come 2023, 20, 24. What, what would you say? I think that we're probably going to have the season where there's this big moment of realization that the, there might actually be a bit of a problem going on with this sort of top heavy narrative. I think that it's going to go on. It's going to continue again. I think the clubs at the top are doing what they need to do to stay at the top. And I think the Mariners the big, just kind of roll on again. I, I think so. I think that I think that there's enough talent, um, and even even some of the aged players there. I mean, oh, there, there really aren't that many. Are either, either way, look, um, regardless of what goes on it, uh, with this sort of top heavy narrative ongoing, and Melbourne City, if they make a fifth straight grand final, I think the question of twenty three and twenty four, what twenty three twenty four becomes about, is the salary cap and a salary cap conversation. Mm, mm, mm. I foresee that happening. Yeah, and one thing you have to consider is with a new team coming in over the next couple of years with the expansion teams in Canberra and in Auckland, you have to take that into consideration too mm. because the talent becomes even thinner across the league. The league. You know, players move around and someone like Melbourne City and its strength it gets even clearer. Um, I don't know where we go from here. I genuinely cannot see fans get behind any of these big league concepts until they're happy again. And we all know how they can be won over. So still a lot to play out on that front. I am really excited, though, for a potential national second division and just to see what effect that would have on yeah. the Australian football landscape yeah. in general if that gets off the floor. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm going to definitely keep an eye out on that. Um, Two for me, I'd say... Rookie coaches, yeah. So to go to go to Antonis's point, but more, will we see the emergence of more Carl Fiat, Nick Montgomery types, maybe Ruben Takovic, if you want to class it, you know, and and these sorts of types who have been involved at the clubs that they're going to understand the systems and have kind of coaches who come through the system of the clubs. I think that's something to look out for. And I'd say as well, in light of things like Jordan Boss going to Belgium. Uh, Tegan Jelicic I was just about to mention <laughs> um, going to Belgium as well um, how do A-League clubs react to these sorts of transfers and we know the clubs we've talked about already and how they operate how does it impact on the rest of the league and, and how they operate does Melbourne Victory have a look at their operations and say actually you know what you know Adelaide and the Mariners they've got it good and we should follow that route personally I don't see it but I'd love to. And That's, while yeah. we were saying off air, like it's not going to be something that can happen overnight. These clubs need to be serious about how they go about it and start making moves now. You're going to mention the food chain thing? The, you mentioned it for me. Um, it's something that they need to do now that will not benefit them tomorrow, but in five, six, year time, in six years' time. Adelaide and Central Coast did not have the best facilities for these things. We see Melbourne City or the Wanderers and what they've got. You know, use it. Use it. Otherwise, 
someone like the Mariners or Adelaide will take advantage of mm. that. So I'd love to see these clubs getting the go to these young players because Australian football benefits from that tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, okay, guys. Now we're getting into the silly part of the podcast uh, to finish off because although we've obviously still got a couple of our, a couple of our, um, definitely another podcast going on at the moment with that Canberra uh, football pod, FPF in the capital, we've got still going to be having uh, hopefully weekly or fortnightly episodes of the Front Page Football Podcast dissecting news, maybe even getting interviews um, going up throughout throughout uh, this off season with the A League, but of course the NPL is still going on and the cup action and the cup action, and we cover all levels. So, um, in saying that, it's been an interesting season. We've had we had the mini episodes at the start, then then we went to our deep dives later on the season. Boys, I'm going to throw it to you, Matt, to start off with funniest or favorite. A league pod moment, FPF pod moment of the uh, of the season. Let's do it. So, um, look, I'll just start. I'll start off with with something really kind of fun and silly, and then I'll start off with one that is like a hybrid of serious that became quite silly and and retrospectively just fun to talk about. So, firstly, um, I don't actually remember the pod, and if it wasn't actually an A league one, although I'm certain it was an A league one. Um, you sort of just kept delaying the end of the episode and you were like, oh, there's this. <laughs> and like, you, you kept concluding it and you're like, oh, do we have any more thoughts? And then someone got around, oh, so what about this? I mean, do we have any other thoughts? And it just kept going on and on and on. And, on. <laughs> and eventually you kind of asked and you're like, that's it. We're concluding. Uh, Matt, what do you want to say? And I just awkwardly said, thanks to all the listeners. And it was just dead silent. And there was, and there was nothing before or after. And then you sent me the clip out of context later, and I was like, this is the most awkward thing I've ever heard in my life. Matt can't wrap um, up podcasts. No. Um, and no. at the start of the season, neither could I, but now I can, so yeah, that's well, there, good. There you go. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, that was a problem too. I remember we were, we're all picking on you. No, really? no, no, that's uh, all right. Yeah. But, I, get, um, I get bullied. <laughs> my, listen, listen, the, the entire kind of silly narrative that's kind of serious is probably my analysis of Brisbane's entire season. Like, like, let's just let's just be honest. I gave them mid-season rating, mid-season rating. You gave them a C. No, I gave no, them a, a B. B. You I gave them a B. I gave them a B. You gave Brisbane was, a B in the mid-season rating. I was so wrapped up in like Warren Moon can grind out a result. One one draw. You see Warren Moon. He can Warren Moon's return to uh, Lions FC, by the way. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. Like, it's good. Good. Yeah, good for him. No, it, is, it is very good. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm just such a big fan of Warren Moon. I met Warren Moon. You know, like, like it was. It was just Matt so has Warren Moon posters at home. Warren, yeah, listen to his podcast. Matt Olson, he wants to meet you. I think. Yeah. No, but um. The thing, the thing is, um, also something that's just a bit silly and funny is that when we did the the, the review, I don't know if you remember this either. Yeah. Um, the mid season review. The mid season yeah. review. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That was a long, I, long podcast. Uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Jack was with us as well, and he didn't really shut up. But <laughs> I, uh, I said, <laughs> sorry to Jack. <laughs> I said, um, I said, so yeah, that's why I'm uh, I'm putting Brisbane as a B, and then you said, I, and then you were kind of debating as to why I gave. Melbourne City, a, a, a like a, a B minus or something that was kind yeah, of right. contentious yeah. as well, yeah. and I enunciated Melbourne, Melbourne, and then you immediately <laughs> yeah. struck back at me and you're like, okay, all right, so that's uh, Brisbane with a B and Melbourne, and City. you fucking stretched it. <laughs> um, so the mid season, uh. the mid season was probably really memorable for me, but also like twenty Brisbane fans out there, like I'd still say with with Ross and with some of the stadium stuff going on. There's, there's, there's me, me and Antonis like the Ross appointment. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, 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 feel, I would feel good about that if I'm, yeah. if I'm a Brisbane, Brisbane fan. 
Bakery, goes, bakery stuff. Pending, it goes but, back to a bit yeah. of someone that understands the club, like we're talking yeah. about with Monty and Carl Viet and yeah. things like That's that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of one of yeah. my things for, for next season. But Antonis? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go funniest. We had, um, Travis Dodd on the podcast about the NPL and then we kind of proded him into and Scott Jamison's retiring this week but I proded him to I should repost that yeah. this week <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we went and it was like come on say something <laughs> and Travis Dodd doesn't disappoint and yeah. once again he delivered I did enjoy that I had a good laugh over that and also now it just came into my head me directly asking this is an NPL thing I directly asking him is your good friend Rob Saracena going to be your assistant coach? Yeah. Like, ah, oh, no, he wouldn't take something like that. And the next day, Robbie was announced as assistant coach. <laughs> so, so that was fun. Um, favorite moment? There's a lot, but personally, and it's more like it's more like therapy than anything else. That we basically got around the A League Grand Final decision like straight after it was made. I feel like we were. Yeah, I had some technical difficulties, but, um, you know, yeah. I try and get it out. But, so like, <laughs> it felt like we were upset. I was upset. I'm still... Yeah, if you go listen back to the pod, it was, yeah. it was pretty, yeah. I'm still emotional about it to this day. But during that time, you know, you needed... I messaged you that morning. I told you, I've got two people I want to talk to. I'm writing something about it. <laughs> yeah, so, so, I got that out of my system. I got that out in the yeah. pod. So, it felt like you could just get it out there. So... For me personally, it's that one because it felt like a real boiling point. My mine would have to be. Um, it was actually a recent pod. Um, <laughs> me and Antonis got into a really heated debate around the Ninkovic uh, Ninkovic gate, um, and yeah, we just <laughs> we took the gloves off, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, so. Yeah, it was interesting because then, because then Matt, you brought it up. I think it was on the last pod because you didn't get a chance to speak about speak it. it. Yeah. yeah. And you brought it up and you were kind of saying how it was like Corrigan's kind of on a, basically on an ego trip with this whole yeah. thing. So yeah, no, I thought that was really interesting because, uh, because we've got the, we've got the Italian, Australian and the, uh, and the Greek going at it, um, with, with the gloves off, which I think, which I think had to come up at some point, <laughs> some point in the season. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else? <laughs> Uh, like on a, on a funny note, I mean, not really, but yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of good private jokes and things like that. There is, know, there, that is, there I, is. I think a lot will come right after this. Yeah. And like, yeah, this. <laughs> I, know, I know, it will, it will. Nah, seriously, it's uh, it's been a look. Regardless of what we think about the season, good, bad, whatever, it has been good to cover it um, mm. and to and to give it that coverage and to and to um, be a really consistent podcast. Shout out to basically anyone who's kind of you know got around us and has given us a follow and stuff. Saying and, that, and yeah, and a big thank you to Tourism SA for backing the show and bringing Matt here to South Australia, doing a lot for the state. It's great to see states get behind football. Thank you to the Premier. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to Powerade for keeping us hydrated <laughs> and keeping the electrolytes flowing uh, as we're all ready to and raring to go for the grand final. And thank you to... No, I'm not doing Hashtag, <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag sponsored. Hashtag not really. Hashtag All right. If you would actually like me to take a serious note, though, because I actually yeah. do, have, do have a lot that I've, I've wanted to say for a while, right? Um, <laughs> and I've, I, I don't shut up about this on my social media, but it really does mean a lot, right? 22, 23, we felt every emotion under the sun. Um, 
everything that happened with the cup and the way the cup was covered, the cup drama that I've sort of alluded to earlier in the podcast, the World Cup presence, you know, doing the World Cup show away from this with Cody, doing the World Cup show, yeah. you know, when, when you're on it. Um, just, just going through that experience with the Socceroos journey and, and everything that, that I personally experienced. It, okay. I was in WA. I wasn't with any of you, but it was just such a special, special time. And for that to happen at the same time that I personally became more accredited, FPF was taken really seriously, uh, you know, as, as a, a journalism outlet in the Australian game. Um, just the hard yards that we felt, you know, 22, 23, like nothing will compare to the journey that a lot of us have gone through this season. And I think that that is, um, that's something that's really, really special and something that we'll cherish forever. So that, that would be my, my note to really end on, honestly. Yeah. Well, image of the lucky uh, Denmark celebration came up the other day and I think I almost cried. So anyway, uh, let's on that, on that note, uh, let's, let's, let's wrap it up. Um, don't want to have another situation where I can't wrap up the podcast. So, um, front page football, make sure you're following us on social media. Twitter and Instagram, that's at FrontPGFootball, Facebook Front Page Football. We're also on uh, TikTok. Um, we don't live stream our podcast on TikTok like uh, the A-League live streams, the, uh, the uh, Warren Dolan, Dolan Warren medal um, ceremony. Why do I keep getting the name of the ceremony wrong? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, so TikTok as well, LinkedIn, and of course the website, uh, frontpagefootball.net. Okay. Boys, anything to add before we uh, wrap this one up? We'll see you next season. Yeah. Looking forward to it. But probably you could hear us with, with some NPL stuff potentially coming up and, and some other and stuff. And of so. course, the couple, the couple will be starting next and month. And there's a cup as well. So, yeah, so, see you next season. See you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant. All right. That's on that note. <laughs> we should wrap it up. Um, Thanks for joining us uh, on our on our final A League pod for uh, for 2022-2023. But as the boys mentioned, uh, we we should be back. Uh, it won't be long until we're back uh, on this feed. So until next time, it's uh, bye for now.